HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Ann Saxby. Broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Monday to you, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger, and today we are going to be talking about cheese in media. Yes, there's there's quite a bit of cheese media, which is really exciting and kind of cool. Kind of fascinating, yeah. yeah. We were, we were, it was like uh, the tip of the iceberg. As soon as we started thinking about it, all these uh, amazing things kept, uh, kept popping up, and so today we're really excited to have two uh, cheese media experts. Our first guest is going to be Christine Hyatt, who is um, uh, has a wonderful website called cheesechicktv.com and is also the acting president of the American Cheese Society. And on our second segment, we're going to have Will Furtman of Culture Magazine here to talk to us about, um, about cheese magazines. Um, so I think uh, Christine is on the line with us. Are you here? I am indeed. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for being with us. I'm thrilled. I, I love your show. You're doing great things in the world of cheese. <laughs> well, you too. I have to say, I just stumbled across Cheese Chick TV a couple months ago, and I felt like a real dork for not knowing about it sooner <laughs> because it's so great. 
I'm I'm a little under the radar, but yes, I'm I'm very I'm very pleased to to uh, share the lovely word on the curd uh, through video. Um, How, how'd you get the idea uh, to kind of start that up? Well, you know, back in the day before I got into cheese, I was writing screenplays and always had the intention to do something um, in a visual media and then got bitten by a cheese bug working behind the counter at Central Market in Austin and always really, you know, just kind of put that dream on hold for a while. And um, when I met my husband, he um, had a background in production, video production, and said, honey, I can I can show you how to run the camera and how to edit and um if you have the story to tell, I can I can show you how to make it happen. So um, it's been a, a real lovely uh, little journey. That's amazing. So how many different episodes have you produced uh, to date? Oh, my gosh. You know what? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I probably have 30 to 40 different little segments. Mm-hmm. Um, Meet Your Maker is one that I have focused um, mostly on Northwest cheesemakers, but definitely expanding outward um, as I travel. And my, my latest endeavor um, focuses on the cheesemonger community. So I'm doing features on different cheesemongers and their approach to, um, to their vocation. We actually had one of your cheesemongers on the show a couple months back, yeah. and my brain is a sieve. I'm turning into Kathleen. like an old person. Kathleen yes, from the, the Bloomy Rind for uh, yes. for our Tennessee episode. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Who was doing the sort of cu- custom cheese plates for different restaurants in in Tennessee? Um, so yeah. very very cool. So what an I mean what an amazing thing, and that also gives you such a great opportunity to sort of travel and and meet different people in the cheese community, which is really important to your you know to the your role at the ACS as well you know that it's it's I believe that you know my my path has just been kind of rising up to meet me as I walk forward and you know each little nuance each time I get to meet with somebody or or talk about cheese um, in my travels it's just really tying the package up with a nice big bow and you know there's so many creative and passionate people doing these great things and I think just kind of shining a little spotlight and connecting the dots you know yes this is happening in the south and here's what's happening in New York and here's what's happening in Portland I mean I think there's a lot going on and um, you know so it's super exciting to be able to to do what I do and showcase it on video. Yeah, and so now you say you're you're sort of under the radar, and I mean, I feel like this should be something that absolutely everybody yeah. has access to. Um, do you have plans to kind of, I don't know, to promote your, your website in different ways and sort of link up with different members of the cheese community to, to get the word out there more? Absolutely. You know, I think that's more of a three-year plan. I, I also have um, two two young children, which uh, keep me busy uh, on a daily basis as well. <laughs> um, so, and then, of course, the ACS um, volunteer role is also a lot. So, yeah, I, I definitely see this as something that hopefully will grow over time um, and really tell the story of the cheese community in, in a really engaging way um, and connect that message with the consumer about why it's important to support your local cheesemaker and your local cheesemonger. I was going to ask um, if you've noticed any trends as you're kind of interviewing people, you know, within certain regions, because that's one of the things I like about doing this show. You know, it's a great overview of what's happening in the in the U.S. and throughout the country. Um, so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, 
sprung to mind. It's not necessarily from my travels, but I will tell you um, there has been some new data that um, certainly speaks to a big trend in our industry. Um, recently, ACS did a survey of cheesemakers in both uh, the United States and Canada, and this is beyond just regular you know, members of our society. This was every person uh, licensed to produce cheese uh, on an artisan farmstead or specialty cheese level. And so we really got some nice data um, from this survey. And what I found, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating stuff, but what I found really fascinating was that the trend has been a lot more people getting into cheese making in just the last five years. Um, and throughout the 80s and 90s, you know, you'd see about four cheesemakers come online every year. Well, when you look at what happened from 2000 until 2010, there was an average of 19 new cheesemakers. I mean, it was like literally a light bulb in the year uh, 1999 into 2000. And from 2005 to 2010, we see 23 startups each year. So it just shows more and more people really are getting into it. They're really, you know, taking it on. And, and it's a geographic diversity that we have not seen previously as well. It's not just in the big cheese-making states like Wisconsin and California and Vermont. So mm-hmm. I, I, I see good things for cheese. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is very, very cool. And now t- tell me, what inspired your... Um, your webisodes um is there a particular format or something that you know you you were thinking that you wanted to sort of emulate or are they just kind of you know um just completely i don't know uniquely uniquely cheesy (laughs) you know here's my, my initial goal uh was to be able to really showcase the the process of making cheese, so whether it's you know people with hands in vat or showcasing how different cheeses age in a very visual way, and then telling that story because I know we have we're very lucky as an industry to have so many talented writers out there, um, and I thought you know yeah I I can write, but I love telling stories visually, and I think for consumers who are really you know. Um, not as connected to the farm um, in in so many ways today. I think that connection, you can really bring it home through video. Um, And, you know, the editing process for me is kind of a joy because, you know, you can really hone your message, tell the story, and tell it in the words of the people who are actually making or selling the cheese. So that was really appealing to me. That's amazing. Well, I think you've got a really good point because I feel like the process of making cheese, going from milk to finished cheese, is really, really a difficult thing to wrap your head around unless you've actually been in a cheese house. Yeah. Um, so to give people, a, you know, sort of a lens into that is is just incredible. It's it's you know it, I'm I'm so honored to have to have a really great big juicy story to tell. I mean I think you know I I, I would have been a very frustrated creative um, person had I not um, you know kept up with my cheese world and really you know embraced this um, process. You know it's not it's not necessarily an easy thing. Um, it's a very niche thing. Um, you know it's definitely not going to make me a millionaire. But I love the people I work with and I love to get to. Tell a very unique story. Um, so I feel very fortunate and honored to be, to be able to do that and have the tools um, and trust of people um, that allow me to come into their operation and, and talk with them and, and, and see what they do. So, yeah, it's, it's great. 
Now, do you think that the that your work could have a more um, sort of um, a direct educational component to it? Um, I know, you know, part of the mission of the ACS is sort of, you know, spreading knowledge and appreciation of um, the craft of cheese making. Um, and have you ever thought about taking your your um, videos in that direction, actually having more like how to educational stuff, be it for a retailer or a cheesemaker? Well, and, and that is, is so funny that you say that, because one of the, the interim careers that I had was doing training um, for larger um, retail chains and helping their people understand um, the, the nuance and intricacies of cheese. And so I definitely have that background and approach, and I'm really excited. I think there are two things on my horizon that really excite me. Um, one is doing a longer format video, even exactly as you say, something about Cheese 101, um, you know, interviews with cheesemakers of different types of cheese and kind of exploring those different types of cheese making in a, in a larger, um, longer format piece. That's definitely um, an exciting thing on my horizon. And then I think, you know, the other part of it is that we're really kind of in a shifting uh, uh, sands time, I would say, with the regulatory changes um, that have happened that, that are kind of on the horizon. And I think that there is a role for video um, and, and having, um, you know, more engaged and aware consumers um, understanding what's happening uh, on the regulatory front as things, as things emerge. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really important for people to understand that cheese can be made safely from both raw and pasteurized milk, and here's why, and here's how you do that, and here's why it's important um, to support uh, again, the, the local cheesemaker, uh, maybe in your backyard. So that's, that's a really good point. Well, I feel like, you know, people can, like you were talking about the difference between writers and videographers. It's a lot more, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot more kind of dogmatic to talk about those things and say, you know, the, yeah. and, and, and to read long articles about why, you know, these products are safe or what the statistics are. I feel like when people see something, it touches them in a way that's more direct and emotional. And, you know, that's really what consumers are responding to when they're buying anything, whether sure, it's cheese yeah. or, you know, a pair of shoes that they like. Um, <laughs> so it's really, that's really smart. And especially as all these, uh, you know, as you said earlier, all these people are more and more people are getting into making cheese each year and um, and a lot of young people, too. So and it have, gives them a standard to stand up to then. Right. Because, you know, unless you've seen something in action that works and works well, you know, uh, it's like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, it's that is I mean, in, in my mind, that is a really big topic for for us as an industry to grapple with, because we are so thrilled to see the trajectory that we're seeing, not only with the number of cheesemakers getting into the business, but within ACS, seeing the number of cheeses entered into our competition every year rising. We're almost at 1,700 cheeses for Montreal, which is, you know, breaking records and, and, and a wonderful thing. But we do need to look at how these newer people, I mean, when you're new at anything, you're not going to have the experience and the know-how and maybe the resources and um, contacts to know, you know, who to turn to if you have a question. Um, and so I think that a big topic for, for our industry is really going to be defining, you know, some, some big topics and, and, and best practices and understanding what those are and, and really helping those that are coming on to this um, great thing really step up and step into it in, in a really, um, in, a, in a great way, in a, well, that's in a true. proactive way. 
That's very true. Well, you know, I was just thinking about it. And, you know, cheese actually, unfortunately, got raw milk cheeses in this country anyways, got some uh, rather negative media over the last year. Um, And so I feel like, yeah, everyone's sort of, uh, I don't know, sort of united behind just what you say, making sure that that people, um, you know, are, are, are getting the education that they need and making, making a product that's, uh, that's really safe. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, (laughs) you're leading the charge. (laughs) And, and a lot of people are, are involved. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I love both about this this industry and certainly my role with ACS is that I get to work with such great committed um, people who are really in it to improve and and take it to the next level. I mean, because this organization has been around since 1983 and every, you know, every generation, every, you know, few years, it just kind of, the bar is raised. And, you know, we're at this point forging what um, the next generation of leaders will have to work with. So, you know, it's it's kind of like a continuum in a, in a, in a lovely way. Um, so, yeah, I am... Um, I think I'm very fortunate to uh, to have had a small bit of a role in this whole thing. So, uh, oh, sm- yeah. that's don't you are so <laughs> modest. <laughs> um, well, we've uh, we're actually um, we've just got a couple minutes left, but I was wondering if you could tell us who are some of your other favorite cheese media people to or yeah. people publications blogs. What, who do you look to to sort of for entertainment for information? Well, you know, I, I, I was wondering who the other guest was going to be on the program, so I'm glad that, that uh, you certainly are, are, are in the right direction with Culture Magazine. I mean, they're groundbreaking um, in their coverage. I mean, their, their recent issue with the tattoos, I mean, it's just, it's lovely. It's totally of the moment and really connecting that, that vibrant energy to, um, to the consumer in, in, a, in a new and different way. Um, as far as blogs go, I mean, I'm all over the place. I love reading Jeannie Carpenter's blog. I love Tammy Parr from the Pacific Northwest Cheese Project, uh, Gordon Edgar. I mean, I'm so I'm going to leave somebody out here, but I mean, people who have very diverse perspective and are who really who are accountable for what they say. They hold themselves to a very high standard and stand behind what they say, and I love that. I think we do have that, um, and those are those are just a few people that I that I regularly read. Very, very cool. Well, and um, so just in the in the minute we have left, can you tell us uh, a little bit of, or can you just give us a little snapshot of uh, the ACS? We haven't talked too much about the ACS this year on the show. So where can people learn more about the conference this year? CheeseSociety.org. Please, please go if you are in the Northeast. I highly recommend making the trek to Montreal. It is our first international conference, which is very exciting. Um, and we will have a, a, a raw milk track for the first time, which is focused um, you know, on cheese making as well as um, on raw milk cheeses in general. And that is a really cool thing. Um, the town hall meeting promises to be very spirited and we're going to be tackling some pretty big topics, so anyone in the cheese community is welcome and encouraged to attend. And for the consumer, if you have the time, come on up for our Festival of Cheese. There's going to be almost 1,700 cheeses out to try uh, and savor and explore, and it's a not-to-be-missed event, especially if you're you know, within a couple hours' drive. Absolutely. So that's, that's Montreal the first weekend in August. Third through sixth, and the festival is on Saturday the 6th. 
So we would love to see you there. All right. And then um, last thing, where can people find your wonderful videos online? Cheese TV dot, uh, cheese check um, And uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of great videos there. Um, and I would love uh, people to just check them out. Well, well, Thank you so, so much for sharing your Monday afternoon with us. And I know that I'm going to go home and watch a couple episodes of Cheese Chick TV myself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I love that there is a radio show about cheese. That is so cool. And I I appreciate that all you do to to, uh, spread the word on the curd. Spread the word on the (laughs) curd. That's what we're all about. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Sophie. Take care. Thanks, Christine. We'll be back in just a second with our second guest. Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger. Today we are talking about cheese and media, which we are participating in on our, yep, on right our dual internet and it's radio meta friends. show or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a show within a show. <laughs> um, if you have questions for us about this show or any other show, you can always email us. Uh, just send your email to info at heritageradionetwork.com and, uh, and we love answering your questions. Um, so our second guest uh, this show is Will Furtman, who is a writer with Culture Magazine, a magazine entirely devoted to cheese. Um, Will, are you with us? Yep. Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, so tell us a little bit about Culture. What's, what, what's your magazine? What was the genesis of it? The genesis started in uh, 2007, I guess, with... Um, uh, Stephanie Skinner and her sister uh, Lassa. Stephanie was in the magazine business. Lassa worked for a long time at Formaggio Kitchen. And uh, she basically, their sisters, and Lassa basically started pestering Stephanie to, to get a magazine going about, uh, about cheese. She said it was the right moment and uh, turned out to be the right moment. We've, been very, we've had a really wonderful reception, really gotten a lot of uh, a lot of people, turns out, wanted to hear, want to hear the message of cheese. 
So, I mean, I just find it so fascinating because in an era when, you know, most print publications are dying, you guys are just like blowing up. Yeah. Um, how, how many subscribers did you start with and how many do you have now? Um, well, we put out about 50,000 uh, copies per season. We come out four times a year. So, I mean, it, I would say that um, we, get more, we get more sales over the counter, perhaps by, just by an edge, than we do through subscribers. But people really, uh, they, they really wanted to, uh, they want to hear about cheese. I mean, basically, cheese in the United States is where wine was in the United States maybe 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's just going crazy. There's so many, so many great new cheeses coming up, so many great new dairies and creameries that um, we haven't had any problems growing, really. That's amazing. And, um, and so how did you guys go about the publicity and marketing of getting a publication like this started? Because it's not just like, you know, I'm sure it's not like if you build it, they will come. You have to right. kind of, you know, do some serious outreach. I, I mean, definitely, we, we go to every event, we go, we go everywhere. I mean, Facebook, here's the thing about uh, things, social media like Facebook and Twitter and the Internet. People say that, that these things are hurting the traditional media, but what we've found is that people come to us through our Facebook page or through Twitter, or they read about us online. Somebody sends them an email with uh, one of our articles, and it helps grow our audience. People, people look at it, they decide to pick up the magazine, and they just go for it. And I, I was doing some, a little bit of research before the show, and you guys have 18,000 Facebook fans, I believe. Which and is growing. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty amazing. So how did you kind of, I don't know, I mean, I guess you just really embrace social, social media, but how do you reach out to people and, and connect with people? Is it through events or, or through word of mouth, do you think? Or? Well, I, I mean, I think one of the things that we really try to do is make our staff available on Facebook, I mean, if somebody writes in with a, with a question about where they can find a certain kind of cheese or how they do it, uh, you know, uh, Elaine, our editor, may answer. Mm-hmm. Or Kate, who's our, you know, sort of resident cheese expert, Kate Arding, you know, she'll go online and she'll answer their questions. And it's that kind of interaction that really gets people excited. Yeah. So how many, how many staff members do you guys have? I mean, is it, uh, is it a, I don't know, yeah, is, is it a growing organization? The core staff is pretty small. Um, I, I, couldn't give you, I couldn't give you a number off the top of my head for everybody who's connected to the magazine, but it's only about a dozen people really make it happen. And then we have uh, lots and lots of wonderful writers who come in on a freelance basis to help us with the, with the articles. Wow. So it's 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 small and we're and we're growing. Um, we're actually we're in a we're in a season of, of pretty big growth right now. But um, the core team is pretty tiny. Little, well, yeah. it's like uh, small but mighty. David David and Goliath. Yeah, small, yeah. small and mighty. You, Sophie, had a really great yeah. great question. I was going to ask um, about how you get ideas for some of the some of the pieces that you write. I was reading a, a few earlier. Um, one was the interview with the other editor of, of the other Culture magazine, which I thought was a, a great idea. I was wondering if you could talk about that piece a little bit and uh, and some of the other ones and how you guys brainstorm. Uh, well, that was absolutely my favorite piece uh, <laughs> I've ever written, I have to say. And for, uh, if you haven't said it already, um, that was an interview with uh, David Burton, who used to be the editor of 
Culture, California, California's Medical Marijuana Lifestyle Magazine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, it just came up one day, one of, I can't remember who on the staff wrote in and said, you know, does anybody else know that there's another magazine named Culture? And we thought it was going to be a big crisis, but uh, we decided that we're, we're uh, more or less sister, sister magazines, different interests, <laughs> same connoisseurship. Same passion. You, you same know, passion. If you exactly. smoke marijuana, you might want to eat more cheese. Right. It seems like Could a beneficial... Be Oh yeah, and they run. I mean, they run recipes right in the magazine for uh, for munch for munchy related snacks <laughs> of all kinds. This is a huge marketing opportunity yeah, for the cheesemakers of America. Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean that and that just came, that just came out of uh, just came out of some some talks. I mean, we have we have editorial meetings where we discuss ideas. Really, it's almost all ideas come out of meeting people in the world. That's kind of where it comes from. Is we we get out. We try to get out to a lot of events. We try to get out to a lot of farms and uh, creameries and just talk to people because every all the great cheese, all the great ideas for the articles, they're all human stories. You know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I love um, what you guys did recently with all of the uh, the tattoos. Can you tell our listeners about that? Uh, that's one that just we actually just posted that online. As a matter of fact, you can find it over at our website. But um, that came out. I think that was our designer Hillary uh, started to pester us about that. Although I can't be sure. And uh, lots of cheesemongers across the nation have decided to uh, pledge their fealty to cheese with uh, various flaming cheese crests and winged cheese <laughs> pegasuses tattooed on their bodies. And uh, there's so many, and they're, they're just popping up again and again, and we just couldn't, we couldn't resist it. So we just sent some photographers out and got some of the best. Actually, I wonder. So on our last show, we had our, our as one of our guests, Adam Moskowitz, who has an incredible cheese tattoo. Oh, uh, he's in there. He's in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, so anyone who wants to see Adam's tattoo, it is really, really wild. It's kind of like a, a grass-to-cheese tattoo that goes all the way down oh, his arm. Wow. Um, well, and here's another place where, you know, social media really worked to our advantage. We put out the call on Facebook, and we said, if, if you're a cheesemonger, if you have a great cheese tattoo, get in touch with us. And that was really part of how we helped grow the article. And we're looking forward to getting more if somebody sends us a cheese tattoo now, we're just going to add it to the gallery right. online. Right. That's smart. That's incredible. Yeah. And so how much of your content is available online? Is, is it all available or do you guys, uh, how, what do you think about the whole, yeah, that, that's a question. How much of it is available? And then how do you feel about the subscription based, I guess, you know, access to content like that versus just letting people have it for free? Well, we have about, I'd say probably about, Half the magazine goes up online in different forms, um, but it's funny because the really the, the what people want from the online version of the magazine is really different from what people want from the paper version. Uh, when they pick up the paper, they love. Everybody tells us they they really like. They love the galleries. They love the the um, the guides that we give to the different cities. They're really interested in the, in the beautiful pho- photography and kind of the physicalness of having this book in their hand. And when they go online, they tend more to be looking for straight information. They have a specific question. 
you know, our recipe section online is one of our most busy sections. We've got a huge cheese library where we have about a thousand cheeses just listed by curd type and milk type, and uh, and it's completely searchable. It's a very popular feature. So I think that for us, it's worked out very well to kind of leave the stuff, the long articles, a lot of that stuff. We tend to leave that in the book. We don't post it online. Um, but then online, you know, we have our blogs. We have uh, we have little features. Anything, a lot of Q and A. I think online, you know, the online format is really great for asking questions and really interacting directly with people. So, Excellent. if that's an answer, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And online, too, I feel like, you know, you probably get more readers because people are searching for information on a particular cheese or for a recipe, and you guys probably pop up. So it probably enhances, the, you know, the rest of the, of the format. Yeah, and, it, and uh, it really draws people. You never know when somebody's going to write to you after, I ran the, after we ran the column uh, about the marijuana magazine. People wrote in and said, I make marijuana cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, California. (laughs) Love California. (laughs) Are you based in California or are you based elsewhere? Uh, I'm based in California. I'm part of the West Coast contingent. But we have have people all over the country. Um, Our corporate headquarters are in Massachusetts and our editors in upstate New York. And uh, we have people in Australia, you know. It's a very virtual organization these days. I love it. Yeah. You guys are everywhere. You're like the CIA. Of cheese. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, real quick, how did you get involved with culture, and what's your background in cheese? I, I came to it as a cheese novice, and uh, I started writing the article in, on the back pages at, when the magazine started back in 2008. And uh, honestly, I was working with our publisher, Stephanie, for... Uh, a different magazine. Uh, I didn't know that it was going to be quite as popular, quite as a quite as a runway success, and uh, it just really took off. Um, just last year, I switched over to working for Culture full time, and it's been great. Wow! Really cool. What a success story! That is yeah. that is awesome. So, what are some tidbits that we can look forward to in the next uh, issue of Culture? If you're allowed to divulge yeah. such details. Oh, the next issue. Oh, well, let me see. We're doing, oh, I don't know how much I should reveal. We're going to have a <laughs> little bit more. We're going to do wine. We, 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 we're going to do some, some real wine for the wine people because we haven't, we haven't given them some red meat in a long time. We've been playing around with, you know, whiskey and beer for a while. Uh-huh. So um, aside from that, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how much to, how much to divulge. I can say that in this issue, the summer issue that's out right now, we have a really wonderful piece about Japan and Japanese dairies near Nagano. Wow. Uh, cool. We really wanted, we were, we were writing this piece when the tsunami hit, and we really, wanted, there was, we really wanted to put out something that was really positive about the Japanese dairy industry because all the stories about the cattle around Fukushima and the kind of disaster that's been, that's been ongoing there very depressing and and we really want to show a positive side to that yeah and and in an area that people i guess probably don't typically associate with cheese which is uh right really fun too opening up Mm -hmm. a whole new world and they make amazing cheese in japan they really do they make superb japanese style uh absolute perfectionist cheeses 
Now, and are they are they mostly fresh, those cheeses, or are they doing some aged stuff, too? The only Japanese cheese I ever tried was sort of a mozzarella style. Uh, they do some, they do fresh and aged. I think the, the one, um, the one that's won a lot of awards recently was Sakura, which was an alpine style. So wow. it, was, it was moderately aged. Um, but I, I think it runs the gamut. They're really, in, in Japan, cheese is, is really a, um, it's an unusual food. It's a foreign food, mm-hmm. but it's something that they're, you know, just like Americans have taken up a lot of foreign styles, and a lot of foreign foods are really made it their own. That's what they're doing now. Wow. Cool. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. Well, so summer issue of Culture Magazine is out right now. Um, if our listeners uh, want to visit you on Facebook or check out your website, could you give us uh, those, those uh, details? Sure. Uh, you can come to our website at culturecheesemag.com, uh, and you can find us at Facebook at Facebook slash Culture Cheese Mag or culture cheese, excuse me. Um, we're, we're all over the place. We have a Twitter feed, too. Um, and uh, you can also find us at your local cheese cellar. Excellent. Or uh, wherever fine cheese magazines are sold. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, great. Thank you so much for, for being with us today, Will, and uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We'll see you next You're week on Cutting the Curve. Cutting the Curve. Hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. This particular article comes from Grist, which is a wonderful website. Uh, To satisfy the legal system's pesky demand for environmental impact studies of novel GMO crops, the USDA has settled upon the brilliant solution. Let the GMO industry conduct its own environmental impact studies, or pay other researchers to do so. The USDA announced the program in the Federal Register for April 7, 2011. Of course, the biotech and agrochemical industry has applauded the new plan. Karen Batra of the Biotechnology Industry Organization told the Oregon-based ag journal Capital Press that the program will likely speed up the registration process for GMO crops and make the USDA's approval less vulnerable to legal challenges. Capital Press summed up Botcher's assessment of the plan like this. The pilot program will not only help move crops through the process more quickly, but the added resources will also help the documents hold up in court. In other words, the industry plans to produce studies that find its novel products environmentally friendly and fully expects the USDA to accept their assessments. This has been Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. There's no problem that Dave Arnold can't solve on his show, Cooking Issues. Take a little listen. 
So Naveen writes in and says, Hi Dave, I'm fascinated by chocolate, especially the transformation from the bitter seeds of the cacao tree uh, to a tasty chocolate bar. That is a, a, a very interesting transformation. Are there any other foods that undergo a similar set of steps, fermentation, roasting, grinding? Also, do you know of any other tropical fruit seeds that could become delicious through such a process? Thanks, Naveen. That's an interesting question. I mean, obviously coffee, right? Coffee goes through uh, you know, a similar, uh, similar set of procedures, uh, quite literally, uh, fermentation, drying, roasting, grinding, uh, brewing. Um, and uh, vanilla goes through picking uh, fermentation, right? It's dipped in, usually in boiling water, uh, and then wilted, and then fermented. So it's similar, and then I guess it can be ground to form a paste. But vanilla doesn't taste like vanilla until it goes through its its uh, its paces um, to be fermented. In fact, the vanilla that's uncured is called red vanilla. You can get it. Uh, it's interesting. If you like what not- you hear, you can hear a new show every Tuesday at noon on the Heritage Radio Network, or subscribe to the podcast, or check out the archives on our website.